2: This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Weiner, A Republican demagogue running on fear and lies, a stunning victory in an election no one thought he could win. We're not talking about Donald Trump, but rather about Joseph McCarthy, the senator from Wisconsin was first elected in 1947, is the subject of a new documentary on the PBS series American Experience, premiering Monday, January 6th. For comment and analysis, we turn to Jelani Cobb. He's professor of journalism at Columbia University, an author and a staff writer at The New Yorker. Jelani Cobb, welcome. Thank you. First of all, I think we should note that Joe McCarthy did not invent anti-communist politics where where did he get
3: the idea so McCarthyism is one of those uh, innovations in American history where a phenomenon is named after its most prominent proponent but not necessarily its originator so uh, before Joseph Joseph McCarthy there was a kind of long tradition of anti-communism in American politics uh, as a matter of fact, the era of the 1950s, where known as the Red Scare, was really the second uh, emergence of a kind of mass politics of anti-communism. The first had been in the wake of World War One, you know, long before McCarthy's time. So, uh, what he did have a talent for was recognizing where the crowd was going and running out to the front of it after World War Two, and the uh, immediate kind of demise of the the amity or feeling of fraternity between the United States and the Soviet Union uh, following the defeat of you know fascism in Germany uh, the Cold War set in, and a number of anxieties you know happened in the United States. one you know high among them was the Soviet Union testing uh, a nuclear device far ahead of what uh, Americans thought would be possible. Uh, and then, uh, in addition, there's, you know, the kind of rising concerns about that culminate in the Korean War and the concerns about espionage and the Rosenbergs and all these kind of things that happen in quick succession that amp up public uh, anxiety about the issue of, of communism. And McCarthyism really, excuse me, McCarthy really had a, a, a talent, a flair, For being able to read and register people's anxieties and then manipulate them to his own political end.
2: But that's not where Joe McCarthy started his political career from 1946 to... 1950, McCarthy was the senator from Wisconsin, but his career was not in any way remarkable. Some people even call it a failure. What changed?
3: Well, I think that he was really concerned about his own political future. Uh, and so there's this famous moment where he gives a speech in Wheeling, West Virginia, and says that he has the names of 205 communists who work in the State Department, which, you know, he had no such list and no such, you know, names. But Uh, it was the beginning of him recognizing uh, just how manipulative and how viable the issue of of, uh, anti-communism could be uh, for, and really as a politician, it's gold. Uh, And so he recognizes that. And uh, certainly it's his kind of dawning concern that his career has not gone anywhere uh, and that he may be facing uh, a losing re-election bid.
2: The American Experience documentary suggests that McCarthy did have a model, and that was Richard Nixon, who was a congressman from Southern California and a member of the House Committee on Un-American Activities. Nixon made his name by going after Alger Hiss with a House committee. Do you think that is sort of the direct uh, inspiration for Joseph McCarthy?
3: Sure, uh, and so the thing about about Nixon, um, and so Nixon had kind of made his bones as an anti-communist member of the, of the House of Representatives, you know. But I think that there's a, a kind of key difference in that McCarthy created a kind of tabloid effect to this, and the manipulation of mass media and the hurling of uh, unfounded allegations against. The most unlikely sources, and a kind of like it's it's weird to think of Richard Nixon in this regard, but almost you know Nixon is more principled and constrained. <laughs> um, the other kind of element of this is the House Un-American Activities Committee, uh, which is also much more powerful and much more influential than than in terms of what happens to day-to-day people and McCarthyism, probably more influential than McCarthy ever was. Uh, and so he looks at all those sources and and recognizes, you know, where uh, the path to political viability is.
2: Well, these days, of course, when we think of Joe McCarthy, we think of Donald Trump. And, of course, there is one direct link between the two of them, Roy Cohn.
3: Yeah. And, 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 and quite frankly, if you look at uh, a certain portion of Donald Trump's rhetoric, it really seems— strikingly McCarthyite uh, as if it could have just been lifted from the uh, senator's rhetoric and and dropped into a a word document that Donald Trump (laughs) was reciting particularly in his demonization of the press McCarthy uh, had the same sort of symbiotic relationship to the media that uh, that Donald Trump has in which he both denounces them and speaks ill of them and accuses them of being biased, but at the same time, he really relies on them to get his message out to a broader audience than it would otherwise. At the same time, media members know they're being consistently attacked by McCarthy and you could say Donald Trump in a more modern context, but then recognize that he is good copy. You know, if you put McCarthy's name on a headline, people pick up that newspaper and so there's a kind of built-in conflict of interest in terms of how that relationship works and when you see Donald Trump's relationship to the media it is a, a kind of one to one parallel uh to what uh Joseph McCarthy was doing in the 1950s in addition to that um you know Roy Cohn uh who you know was McCarthy's uh, most trusted aide and you know strategist and you know, kind of sounding board for his ideas uh, mentored the young Donald Trump. And one of the things that have been attributed to Cohn's influence over Trump is this relentless sense of uh, always going on the attack, never uh, apologizing, uh, never uh, giving, countenancing the idea of being mistaken or wrong, um, which is something that's very much akin to McCarthy's political personality as well.
2: And one other thing I noticed in the the American Experience documentary says that Joseph McCarthy was, quote, intoxicated by media attention, close quote. That sounds like our current president, don't you think?
3: Sure. I mean, well, I mean, we have to, with McCarthy, you have to use the word intoxicated advisedly <laughs> oh, because yes. sometimes he was just intoxicated. Yes. Um, and, and, and also uh, intoxicated by media attention. So it was coming from both sources. But yeah, there's a kind of, of narcissism. And addiction to public attention, which is not entirely uncommon if you're dealing with politicians or people in the elected office. But I think that what makes both of them stand out is the extremity of it.
2: Well, the way the story is told, it was the news media that stood up to McCarthy and played a crucial role in bringing him down. One man in particular, Edward R. Murrow of CBS News, who said on his TV show, We cannot defend freedom abroad by deserting it at home. Uh, Do we have an Edward R. Moreau today? I don't know, Rachel Maddow?
3: Yeah, I think that's that been the comparison that people have made. The people have seen um, Rachel Maddow as, or, you know, kind of various points. People have said, who is our Edward R. Murrow for this moment? And, uh, you know, her name is mentioned more than once. But I think there's a difference there, which is that, uh, one, Murrow was work, was working in a medium that, that McCarthy didn't really understand. Yeah. Uh, and so when they broadcast the army McCarthy hearings, he didn't realize how belligerent and bullying and, uh, inebriated, uh, he looked, he didn't get how people were perceiving him as they were seeing him, uh, in their living rooms. Uh, right. and so that really was part of what did him in uh, in terms of his public standing on the other side of this uh, Trump is a product of tabloid television and reality TV and so this is not an unfamiliar medium the other is that uh, the trust that people had in the media in the middle of the 20th century far higher than you know the amount of trust that people have in the media right now and given that Rachel Maddow is identified as publicly a kind of progressive left figure, there's a whole part of the American political spectrum that can't hear anything she has to say. Uh, And so I don't know that there's a figure that is the equivalent of uh, Edward R. Murrow in the modern context.
2: And the other key critical voice the story is told came from the Army-McCarthy hearings where the chief counsel for the Army was an attorney named Joseph Welch, who asked McCarthy this famous question, have you no sense of decency, sir? It's, it's a great line, and it certainly was appropriate, but it's a little hard today to explain to young people why this would bring down the previously invincible Joseph McCarthy. Uh, how do you explain it?
3: There's a couple of contexts to that about Joseph Welch. Um, you know, him asking McCarthy, have you no decency, really was uh, the final blow. Um, what he had done in you know, the preceding uh, hours and days had been to dismantle McCarthy methodically. Uh, and I think there's one lesson that is valuable in terms of understanding how uh, demagogic authoritarian figures who universally take themselves very seriously uh, what their uh, Achilles heel is, and that is that Welch wielded humor tremendously well against Joseph McCarthy, where McCarthy used kind of bluster and anger and shouting. Uh, Welch was composed and kind of uh, ridiculing him and, and, you know, poking jokes, humor at him. Uh, And so he didn't really know how to handle that. And I think that in some ways that's the the best cure, uh, which is that the... People who are of the same sort of temperament and disposition as Trump cannot tolerate being laughed at uh, whatsoever. And maybe the point is not to fight fire with fire, but to fight it with water.
2: Last question. Uh, Today, McCarthyism is a universal term of, of criticism. McCarthy has virtually no defenders, except maybe on the far right, 10 or 20 years from now, do you think Trump will be looked at the way we now look at Joe McCarthy? Or will he be seen as somebody more like Reagan
3: by historians? I don't think he'll be Reagan. I also don't think he'll be McCarthy. Um, And so I think that the hold that he has and the way that he has been able to mainstream xenophobia, racism, misogyny, uh, you know, a whole anti-Islamophobia, a whole kind of bouquet of horrible ideas. Um, I think that people will be in too much denial to admit that what that actually was, and there'll be an attempt to rehabilitate him. The, the difference, I think, is that his record is so extensive, and there are the tens of thousands of tweets Uh, mainstreaming all sorts of vile ideas, that it will be difficult to do that as long as I think historians do their job. uh, It won't be possible to uh, present a kind and gentle and noble version of Donald Trump to posterity.
2: Jelani Cobb is a participant in the new documentary titled simply McCarthy. It's on the PBS series American Experience premiering Monday, January 6th. You can also see it at PBS.org and on the PBS video app. Jelani Cobb, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you.